Revolution Pod Squad. Welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm your host. Every Wednesday and Friday, I am bringing you interviews with female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. And today's guest is Ruth Amos of from the UK. Ruth is a self-described engineer and inventor and really just like maker extraordinaire. Um, she really can, I think, probably almost make anything. Uh, so I had a really great time talking with her and just like learning her story. So super excited to bring that to you today. Uh, before we hop on into the interview with Ruth, though, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much. Annette, 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin, Lefty's Workshop, Christy, Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lees, Finn, Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Tool Mom Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Brandy, Studio, Obey, Lee, the Rainbow Carver, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued and ongoing support, helping me to produce two episodes a week every week. If you would like to get your name added to this list of Pod Squad members that get listed at the start of every episode, you certainly can. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting a revolution check out the tiers over there join on up get some stickers get a t-shirt fun for all all right no further ado let's head on into the interview with ruth um i like to start by having my guests introduce themselves so would you do that for me yeah okay hi my name's ruth i am an inventor and engineer I co-run a YouTube channel called Kids Invent Stuff, and I spend most of my time making crazy things in the workshop and running businesses and speaking. They're kind of, yeah, they're kind of the three things I spend my time with. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, so I guess my first question is pretty broad, but I want to know, like, how did you get there? Starting with, like, you know, where'd you grow up and kind of what's your story to getting to what you do now? Okay, so I am based in the UK. I live near somewhere called Sheffield. Quite a few people have heard Sheffield. It's a big kind of steel manufacturing city. Um, and I went to a very normal state school. Um, I grew up not really understanding what engineering or inventing was. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, but I went to a school where as part of my GCSEs, my exams at 16, I had to choose to take either food tech, textiles, uh, resistant materials, so like design technology or electronics. There were a whole load of them, but around engineering and, and making. And I decided to take resistant materials because I liked the practical elements of it but also I had a really good teacher and as part of that I had to do a piece of coursework and as a girl I was expected to design a jewelry box and I didn't want to do that <laughs> so I sulked and my teacher saw me sulking and said 
how about you do something else? And I was like, that sounds good. And so he told me about his father who had had a stroke and couldn't use his stairs. And he challenged me to invent something to allow his dad to walk up and down his own stairs. And that project pretty much changed the course of, of my life in a very, very dramatic, but it sounds even more dramatic when I say it out loud. Right. Um, but yeah, I ended up inventing something called the Stair Steady, which is a specialist mobility handrail that helps people walk up and down their own stairs safely. Um, I was young engineer for Britain for that invention. At 16, I got suddenly thrown into this whole world of engineering and was like, oh, um, but I found I loved it. And I should have always been an engineer. I just didn't realize that. I never saw myself in the shows I used to watch and the things I used to enjoy. I never saw myself a lot of them were like white men and I was like oh yeah. <laughs> um, so suddenly found this world discovered there were more women more people like me who did this stuff and yeah it just kind of went from there really and so that's how I started my first company and thrown into the world of inventing and designing and I've spent a lot of my time since then trying to make sure that other young people don't miss out on a career that they would love and thrive in because for me I would have hated being a lawyer and I very <laughs> nearly became a lawyer and I'm really want to try hard and make sure that no one else ends up in a career that there's just not meant for them because they don't realize that they could be an engineer or an inventor or a maker okay so um I I guess I just want a it's a statement more than a question but like I'm super impressed you were not or were you intimidated by the task to, you know, come up with something to I think I was help your so teachers? Naive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think looking back now, I think I'm not sure I could invent the same product because I feel like I know I'm using like air quotes, not great for yeah. a podcast, but I know too much about the world and how it's supposed to work and at kind of 15 16 I didn't know that and I just thought yeah I'll have a go and it wasn't like oh you have to design this thing it's going to be a product it was like design this thing to get your exams then go to university and it didn't work out like that but it didn't start off as this big mammoth you're going to design mm. a product you're going to apply for a patent you're going to start a company you're going to work out how to get it to, to market like all those things happen stage by stage mm -hmm. and so yeah I think part of it was just naivety and part of it was like, yeah, I could have a go at that and not knowing any different really. Mm -hmm. Did you surprise yourself at all? Oh yeah. I, I found this whole love for like problem solving and bringing things to market and this excitement with something that's new and uh, like, I love nothing more than like a plan and putting it together and working out like how am I going to solve this and what are the issues and like boom 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 write a list like this is yeah I'm a total like planner organizer control freak and so it spoke to me this whole process I just found myself getting so excited about you know how we're we going to get this product made how we're we going to get it to customers like how do we market it and even now like a lot of the time I, I love new challenges and exciting mm -hmm. things and um, up to the point of starting kids invent stuff before that I used to get my kick from like starting different businesses or like volunteering for different projects like totally over committing myself to the point of making myself ill um, but now kids invent stuff gives me that kick every month because we're trying to solve new problems and bring mm -hmm. new things to life so that kind of that feeds my my love for that 
I just want to like, can you, are, can you transfer that love over to like me? Cause I feel like I would benefit from, from that aspect. <laughs> just like the, the total like organization. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> and, and maybe like the fearlessness, I guess it's just like, you know, um, I'm in the process of like tackling, I guess my, my first quote-unquote invention and like it just seems like such a daunting task and maybe because I'm like looking at like the end of like the finished you know widget that will be available for sale and it's like the million things that have to happen before then and I'm uh, a lot of times I mean I think it takes longer because like that fear of all the things that have to get done and executed well is like causes me to just like freeze <laughs> you know and so it's like teeny tiny baby steps in order to like keep moving along and I think that's it I think as well there are a lot of pressures as well from the outside world I look now at the projects that I do and I, I suppose it's things like social media so when I did this project there you know there wasn't social media in the same way and so I was very naive there wasn't all these people talking about how you start a business or how you bring a product to market I didn't feel that pressure that sometimes I feel now comparing what I do to other you know you have that comparison mm -hmm. thing don't you or you see or hear about someone else's story and back then there wasn't as much of that or you, or you could easily switch off from that. So, you know, if you weren't searching for it on the internet or reading certain books, then it didn't really, you didn't really hear about that. And I, I wasn't really one of those people that read about how you ran. I had no idea how you ran a business or how you did any of these things. So I kind of worked on gut. Whereas I think now there's lots more of like, Oh, I did this and you should do this. And this is the right way to do it, which is sometimes useful, but sometimes very overwhelming because you're comparing your project to like the best bits of, lots of other people's journey yeah. that makes sense so what you're telling me is my obsession with the podcast how I built this is probably a negative thing oh yeah yeah so, yeah, yeah yeah I I would maybe detox from that for the moment um so did you I guess did you end up um did you go to university for engineering or you've just kind of like continued down that path on your own so I didn't actually ever go to university uh, in my head. I kind of because as well, I feel like you should always try and leave some doors open. So in my head, when I started stair study, uh, at the same time, I'd been doing some exams and I hadn't done as well in my exams. So I my, one of my actual my physics practical exam happened like the day after I came back from America. So as part of winning young engineer, I got flown out to do the Intel science and engineering fair in America, which was incredible. And of course I was going to do that and not study for my exams. Um, but I also had a bit of an accident out there and ended up having to like come back and go to hospital. And I'd had no sleep and I pretty much fell asleep in my physics practical exam, which is like the worst one to fall asleep in. And so I didn't do as well in my exams. And I was like, well, maybe this is a sign that I should take a break and start, you know, focus on the company, give myself three years because I could then reapply as a mature student. And I thought, well, I'd, I'd either go two ways. So I'd either decide that running a business wasn't for me and I'd have some really cool stories to tell an interview. And they were like, why did you not go to uni like when you were 18? Right, I'm right. like, well, <laughs> um, or 
I would just decide that university wasn't for me and I decided university wasn't for me um it's weird up to that point I was really academic like Mm -hmm. total like stupidly overachiever you know grades really mattered and then like literally overnight I was like I think I'm fine (laughs) so yeah now I'm I'm really glad I didn't uh I I'm there's a high chance I'm dyslexic and writing is not really my thing so as much as the some of the legal side and and studying university would have been interesting depending if I did on law or engineering Mm -hmm. I actually think I'd have really struggled with that academic life Mm -hmm. so yeah it worked out quite well really but at the time it felt like I failed because if you'd have lined up all of my class and said who's going to university everyone would have said me and I didn't I never went so (laughs) well I mean I think it's it's proof that you don't have to I mean I guess you know like I'm the I'm the first year of the millennial generation and it's like growing up it was like you go to university like that's what you do (laughs) like there is no option there's no like hey take a break try things out find out what you really like it's like nope at 18 you must know every like what you plan to do for the rest of your life and you're gonna go to college to go do that well it's not even like that over in the UK you have to choose your exams at like 14 so you choose your GCSEs like 14 so like this is what you're gonna do and depending what you do for GCSE then means then you have certain choices for A level and then you can go on to certain degrees and it's like how are you supposed to know at 14 that that's what you want to do and if you're academic it has changed slightly now but still if you're academic you're expected to go to university you know now I think if I was to do it again and I had to choose a route I would probably do like an apprenticeship or something Mm. but even then that's not seen as an as an equivalent to going to university and I'm it's just so frustrating yeah and I think like maybe what I hear you saying too is like if you had that may have been limiting because you would have felt like there's a certain way to engineering totally yeah totally and it's really interesting because um I'm an engineer my younger sister's an engineer my younger brother's an engineer and we all got into engineering very different ways my sister went to university she did the degree she has a product design and manufacturing degree and it would be interesting we'd come back and we'd be discussing things and we'd be talking about different manufacturing things and patterns and we would each have the knowledge but in different ways I would have learned it from being on the factory floor or like talking to patent lawyers or having to pay bills for patents. And she would have learned it in the classroom, sometimes in practical ways, but we would have those interesting conversations. And I realized that actually, yes, I didn't know some of the things that she knew, but I knew enough Mm -hmm. because I'd actually got that lived experience. And that was just as valuable, if not more in some situations, because she'd be like, oh, you should do this. And I'm like, yeah, have you ever sat in that room with that person and had to say that? Or have you ever, do you know what I mean? Like, there's very right. different lived experience to what you should do on paper. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. Hey, makers. So today's podcast episode is sponsored in part by Alicia Van Osdahl, who is the owner of Basil Blue Design Company. Alicia is a maker of all things, really. Her focus is on beautiful craftsmanship through woodworking, repurposing, refinishing art and sculpture. Her background includes 30 years of graphic design, logos, and branding. If you have an idea or concept 
that and need a creative solution or graphic design, you can email Alicia directly at Alicia, and that is A-L-I-C-I-A at basilblue.com. Or you can visit her website at www.basilblue.com. And fun fact, uh, Alicia actually designed the logo for Crafting a Revolution. So that is an example of the impeccable work you can expect if that is something you are in the market for. So be sure to look up Alicia again at her website, basilblue.com. All right, let's get back into the action makes complete sense so now i mean are you still are you still doing your own like inventions um currently or are you like wrapped up in the kind of the the speaking and the kids invent so i am starting to do a bit more of my own inventing so i still am involved in stair study so we still have some parts to do with that um I took a bit of time to kind of not do any of my own stuff for a while, but I'm kind of easing back into it. Um, and I'm also, yeah, it, it's quite hectic. I like to have lots of things on the go. So yeah, kids invent stuff and some of my own content, some of my own inventions, kind of lots of different projects going on, um, which I think is not always the easiest or the healthy, healthiest place to be. So I have to kind of keep saying like, it's okay. Like you're not hundred percent focused on this one thing. It doesn't matter if it goes super fast, like just enjoy mm -hmm. the process sort of thing. But yeah, it's nice. And it's, I'm, you know, over lockdown, I built myself a workshop, which was just, I was like, why have I not done this before? And yeah, that just allows so much more fun. It is very messy. So I apologize. Oh. <laughs> It is nowhere near as messy as mine is currently. Um, so, so it's good. Um, uh, tell me more about the Kids Invent stuff, like how that got started and like, what is it? Okay, so Kids Invent stuff is a YouTube channel that I started with my friend Sean. And we were both winners of the Young Engineer Award, like a few years apart. So that's how we met through that competition. And they would roll us out at different like events and dinners and things, or we'd sneak our way into dinners. Um, and we would constantly be talking about, both of us come from kind of similar backgrounds. Like we went to state schools, very like where we grew up has a real mix, but quite disadvantaged. And we were kind of then thrown into this whole world of, quite elite engineering and quite and very we could see the privilege but we it's because we came from a place of maybe not as much privilege that we could see that and we just got really frustrated because loads of these there's a massive shortage obviously of particularly um, girls to do engineering um, it's mainly white men still mm -hmm. and we got very frustrated that there wasn't enough projects around diversity or showcasing different people doing engineering and also some of it was a little bit boring but it was really well funded and it frustrated us because we were like we want to do something that is fun and engaging and we tried to pitch it to loads of people and we were just like in the end we just thought right we'll just do it ourselves so we set mm -hmm. up kids invent stuff we set up the channel and the whole point is that there was a load of research that came out that said we focus a load on, on older students when it comes to engineering, but actually a lot of the decisions about if you can or can't be an engineer is made by that young person super early. So like primary over here. So that's like 
five to seven years old you know Mm -hmm. girls and boys are making those decisions that they can or can't be engineers or scientists and not much was being done around showing them that they could be essentially Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we thought actually we wanted to do something with that we thought inventing was a much better word I don't know what it's like in the rest of the world but engineer in the UK has a number of different meanings all the way through from like someone who fixes your car through to someone who like launches rockets and it's really hard to explain different kids have different ideas of what that means whereas an inventor is about problem solving it's creative it's interesting so we decided to kind of reclaim the whole inventor thing and we started kids invent stuff and the idea is simple um on our website each month we have different invention challenge so it might be superhero gadgets morning inventions, crazy electric vehicles, and four to 11 year olds from anywhere in the world can send in their invention ideas as pictures or videos to that website. And then each month, Sean and I will bring at least one of them, sometimes more of them to life. So that we've built jam firing rockets to help you, you know, for for your breakfast in the morning through to uh, fire and water shooting pianos, giant furry electric dog cars, slime firing gauntlets. We've built crazy inventions to help princesses escape towers because (laughs) they don't need rescuing through to combining loads of kids ideas for a giant Rube Goldberg machine. But all of the inventions are designed by four to 11 year olds and Sean and I's job is just to bring them to life. And along the way, we explain how we do that and what the things that go right, the things that go wrong. But there's a whole breadth of engineering. We've done bits that involve clothing. We've done electronics. We've done welding. We've done all sorts of weird and wonderful things to make baking even to bring to life these inventions. And we film it all and we make fools of ourselves and we put it on the Internet. Um, but we like to think as well that it's kind of family viewing. So it's not just for kids. Mm-hmm. We're, we're bringing to life kids ideas. And we're using it to talk about engineering, design, invention, problem solving. Is the, I mean, you said you pitched it to a bunch of bunch of people. <laughs> so, I mean, is do you have any hopes of it becoming? Uh, I don't want to say more mainstream than YouTube because YouTube's pretty mainstream. But I mean, more, um, you know, like. A, a Disney Plus or a Discovery Plus or that oh, type of thing. There was, yeah, I mean, we would we would love to have those conversations with someone, maybe not TV, but like like a Netflix or a mm-hmm. Disney Plus or something like that. Um, I think YouTube is great because um, it's really interactive. And so we turn around our ideas super quick. So quite often they get turned around with a like a week two weeks max Mm. so you don't have that sort of thing when it comes to tv which is fine it's a different format right um but yeah i think there's something nice about you know all all young people watch youtube we wanted it to be something that was like fun and and interesting but not just classroom based you know the activities (laughs) run in the classroom kids watch it in the classroom but we wanted it to be something that was done at home as well that kind of brought engineering into your home life as well Mm -hmm. have you I mean is it have you been able to get kids from all over the world to participate so we have quite a widespread predominantly still a lot of the inventions regularly come from the UK but we have had inventions sent in from 
all over the world quite regularly, you know, Canada, America, bits of Europe, but then even further afield, we've had, you know, inventions from bits of Africa, from um, Asia. So yeah, all over. I mean, it's open to anyone, anyone. That's the great thing about the internet. You know, anyone can Mm -hmm. enter. But we are aware a lot of the stuff that we do because we're funded by educational grants and corporate grants. So sometimes we will go into schools over here and things like that. So there mm-hmm. is lots more face to face stuff that happens in the UK, but it is open to anyone. anybody. Do you guys tackle, try to tackle, I don't want to say it, like real world, you know, issues with um, kids inventing stuff? So we were both really big advocates for things like uh, looking at renewables and climate mm-hmm. change and things. So a lot of the stuff is we always try and think we want to be able to explain it to a five year old and we want them to be able to participate and invent something. So we do we have done things about you know making your city or the place where you live better or stuff around kind of uh, generating electricity. So things like that, we do try and, and obviously link it to some of the big problems we have to yeah. solve. We're also really careful. We don't take funding from oil or arms because mm-hmm. neither of us agree that that's something that we should be putting in front of children. So we have some quite strong values that we put within the content before we even start thinking about the kind of gender balance slash roles and all that sort of thing as well. So we... we try and make it fun and entertaining but also with some quite solid values underneath it Mm -hmm. yeah so okay so you've mentioned a couple times and clearly passionate about this idea that it's still predominantly white men in (laughs) engineering um is this coming all from your own experience that you know this passion has grown to wanting to grow diversity in this field yeah I think I realize on a daily basis how close I came to missing out on this career and how much I love it and it's one of those things I think the more that you see uh or you'll make you're aware of of the lack of diversity the more you see it Mm -hmm. um and I'm also aware that as a white cis woman I have certain privilege as well in that space and so I think there's just a lot of work to be done within that. So I, I feel that it's an important thing and, and having a small platform means that I should shout about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also, I, I yeah, I think this, this industry has for a long time been very male and pale and some of them are great allies, but also some of them are not and it's you know it's about changing that and the thing about engineering is it affects everyone I think if it was an industry I mean I can't actually think of many industries that don't affect everyone but engineering affects everyone in our daily lives everything Mm -hmm. that we see around us has had the input of an engineer from the medication we take to the clothes that we wear to the tech that we use and if there isn't diversity within the people that are creating that, then certain issues start to appear. We have, you know, for a long time, medications weren't tested on women and, you know, th- that causes a lot of, <laughs> of issues. Um, and, you know, things like 
I mean, one of the most well-known examples is safety belts. They were designed for men and they killed women and children until they were changed. There are so many examples from Google not being able to distinguish black faces from gorillas through to, you know, YouTube's captions as even as a woman but with a northern accent it hates me so anything that's you know not a white man it struggles with and again they're just examples of not having diversity at the right level or not having input because if you have you know and I mean diversity in general from different social backgrounds different Mm -hmm. genders um you know there's so much that's needed that we need loads more people If, if you're you know if you're thinking of oh I should you know maybe I'm interested in this I guarantee there's a job for you within engineering because it's so diverse there's so many different things and I think I'm just so passionate because I'm fed up of seeing all these things and realizing that we can do something about it so I kind of got to the point where I was like I was relying on not relying on other people but other people were doing the work I was thinking cool they're doing the work well and then you keep seeing the reports and it's there's still massive issues and I was like I I just need to get out there and become an activist around this a little bit so that's why Sean and I you know we we wanted to do something about it we were fed up of just sitting on the sidelines and watching it happen Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it's it is something we're both very passionate about I think um you know something I I realize now um like when you talk about like pretty much everything in our life an engineer has touched it's like even though now I have more of that understanding, it still takes time to understand that sometimes like, oh, somebody like put work into coming up with this thing. Um, And there are so many things in our lives that I think we go around like that don't work for us and we just don't question it. We continue to like use it and (laughs) question it um, and why it doesn't work. so built bringing in a more diverse world to this i think has a little bit to do just even with educating people on the simple fact that everything was invented or created by an engineer um do you see that like when you do you know kids invent stuff do you see that light bulb moment for some of these kids yeah, sometimes, particularly, I mean, we we choose an invention idea on an invention idea, but then a parent might get in touch and say, oh, you know, this child, is, it's really helped them because maybe they're not academic and they've it's made them think, oh, actually, I have value or we don't know the story behind the child whose invention we choose, right. if that makes sense. So it's really interesting that we keep getting feedback from parents who are like, you know, these, these children that have these amazing ideas might are very diverse within themselves does that make sense and so Mm -hmm. that's always nice to hear like oh actually that makes a difference and they think oh I can do that um and one of the reasons because I know there have been projects in the past where people take kids ideas and they maybe model them or they they give a, a rough idea of what they might be like but when I was designing the stair study sorry when I was designing stair study um seeing something I'd drawn on paper be then made in a factory and come out the other end as a working product mm-hmm. was like the light bulb moment for me of like oh wow normal people like me make stuff like I always assumed it was special people who were allowed to make stuff I didn't feel like I was 
special or talented enough to be able to make things that were out there in the world because they that was done by special people yeah and that's not true like we can all make things and contribute <laughs> um and that's another thing for like kids invent stuff is to show kids at like five to eleven that actually well four to eleven that actually their ideas are valuable and they can be made and seeing that is quite can be quite a big thing for a child to be like oh actually I drew this thing it was in my head and now it's physically being made and used albeit you know they might be it might be something ridiculous but still that's the whole point of it do you know what I mean like every idea is valid we never get sent a bad invention idea there are lots of inventions that adults would look at them and go why would you make it and I'm like that's why we should make it right <laughs> um but yeah, I think it's there's a big moment where a lot of us think that the world is shaped by other people and that has meant that the other people are not very diverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, Pod Squad. So this week's episode is brought to you in part by the Empowered Makers Online Festival. What is that, you ask? Well, the Empowered Makers Online Festival is a totally free pause totally free DIY party designed to inspire, empower, and educate so that you can stop that Pinterest scroll and be the powerhouse DIYing woman that you're totally capable of being. During this four-day online event, you'll hear exclusive presentations from 12 incredible women, DIYers and craftswomen covering topics like beginner electrical work, how to flip furniture, making time for DIY, and so much more. If you're ready to stop just dreaming about DIY and start taking some big freaking action, join us from September 27th through 30th for the Empowered Makers Online Festival. Cannot wait to see what you create after this festival. To register, just go to empoweredmakers.com forward slash revolution. Again, that is empoweredmakers.com forward slash revolution. Again, the tickets are free, so go check it out. Go get signed up. Um, you will see me personally sharing about this on my Instagram at Freeman Furnishings this week as well, getting revved up since I am one of the 12 presenters talking about and sharing about how Power Tools empowered me to get past fear of failure. So I would love to see you all over there joining in on the conversation, getting hyped up about DIY, and then going and creating your own um, magical projects. All right, let's head back on into the episode. Um. Yeah, that just, I guess that resonates a lot with me because I went, the degree I got was, it's a few math classes short of engineering and going through it, I still, even though I graduated with that degree, like I will tell you, like, I'm not quote unquote smart enough to figure that stuff out. Um, because I just don't feel like it is to your point it's like oh that's somebody else who's like way smarter <laughs> and capable of doing that not me um which is interesting you know uh especially given this this thing that I'm working on and the conversations I've had then with all male engineers who are telling me my idea cannot be done like that it's impossible to do um, 
However, when I've had conversations with female engineers, none of them have said that. All of them have said it just, it hasn't been done yet. Like, you know, yeah. um, and so that leads me to a question about, I guess, like a gatekeeping kind of mentality. So bringing in and advocating for my more diversity in the space, like is absolutely needed. What are your thoughts, though, on like overcoming it's still predominantly, you know, cis, heterosexual, white men who are making the decisions of whether something's good enough or not? I think it's it's been going on for a while, but I also th- I think things are changing, maybe not as fast as we would like them to. I think one of the things that we have is that the rest of society has massive imposter syndrome <laughs> and feels like that that we're not good enough and actually a lot of the time we are mm-hmm. and I think some of it is kind of those support networks to push each other so I know that a lot of the times that uh me or people that I know have kind of gone through and and smashed through one of those barriers or got to that point where they they're able to kind of not be gatekeepers but just open the door like bring people with them have been times where you know there's been that network people advise each other do you mean I feel like a lot of the time and I've, I've spoke to women in the past who were like maybe the sole woman on a board and they some of them talk a lot about the fact that they maybe didn't open the door because they felt if they opened the door, they'd lose their place at the yep. table. Yeah. And I think in the past there have been a lot of people who have worried about that in different situations and not necessarily opened the door. They've just kind of, well, I'm, I've got to see at the table and I just need to keep hold of that. And I think the change is really coming because people are working together and sharing knowledge and, not allowing themselves to be screwed over or told that they can't do it mm-hmm. um and I think when that's kind of inbuilt and is kind of a cultural thing that's quite hard to overcome um but I do think that 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 is happening and I think the more we can create and support our networks and really champion each other and put each other forwards for things and share knowledge and information and not just sit there and be like this is mine (laughs) right (laughs) and I think that that's that's when change really starts to happen because we're not just silos all trying to work towards something we're working together and there are a lot more of us than there is them but we just maybe don't always feel like there is because they hold a lot of the power but actually you know if we all all work together I'm a big advocate for kind of that you know those networks and supporting each Mm -hmm. other and sharing the knowledge as it was to be able to bring more people to the table through the door whatever analogy right you go right for. right <laughs> yeah um and I think maybe the key is for those of us who are um trying to broaden the field and trying to be advocates and all of that good stuff, open the doors, all of that stuff is to stop, stop holding up that being a cis het white male is what we need to be equal to. Yeah. Like, that's not actually the standard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the standard is just to come as ourselves um, and know that 
our ideas um, are valuable on their own without being in comparison to because if we stop upholding them as the standard, then they stop being the standard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. And and one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was when I was 16 and I'd just become an engineer for Britain and they were like rolling me out as this engineer. And I, I remember to, like talking to someone within the organization and just saying like, I, well, the first interview I was told that I didn't look like an engineer. I looked like I should be in media and I was like, whoa and part of me then thought like should I change and I remember talking mm. to someone and they were like do not change like you are like yeah just be yourself and you'll be absolutely fine and I've kept that mantra of being like in those situations where I think why am I doing that and if it's because I feel like I should keep up with the industry standard of of the white men I'm like oh yeah I'm not doing that <laughs> do you know I mean? and, and particularly it, it became I think at first, maybe I didn't always notice it when I was younger, because I would sit at the table and be like, oh, okay, you know, maybe this is the way it is. And then I'd be like, oh, no, this isn't, this isn't right. And I, but I noticed it a lot more like when I had my little boy and I really like pushed, like I would go to meetings and I'd bring him with me. And I, like a lot of stuff, I was like, well, why is this the norm? Oh, because there aren't that many people who, you know, need to bring their kids to work or whatever mm -hmm. and when I did that there were other women who were like yes like I did this and this helped and or you know and I remember seeing um in particular uh a woman bring her child to an event she was judging and speaking at and I was like oh so you can do that and I realized that actually that's really important to push barriers but show people as well because then they're mm -hmm. like oh that's acceptable okay and so that's really important as well and there are loads of people who've gone ahead and done that but also in certain situations I've thought hang on no like I want to do that do you know what I mean like wh why what's stopping me or what's saying that I should do it a certain way and I've realized like that's just what the white men do well yep. let's do that differently <laughs> <laughs> also I, I like white men I don't yes, want to put it out yes, there that no. you know there there are some good ones there are a lot of good ones but also it's it's a real issue particularly within engineering right Right. I, and I would say particularly within any industry that's been thought of as traditionally like men's work. Yes. Um, yes. And, I, and I feel like thing. some industries are ahead of others, you know, uh, generally parts of engineering are getting a lot better. When I started welding more and went back, kind of went into that industry. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like wow it's a few decades ago now so you yeah. know certain industries are more ahead than others and there is a lot more I mean my sister who was a product design engineer then retrained as well to be a firefighter and that again is a very male-dominated industry yes <laughs> um so I think you know we all have different battles everything is at different stages it can just be exhausting I think I was talking to a friend about this like you know if, if you've been doing I remember talking to someone who'd been doing this for 40 years she was an incredible woman and I was talking to her and I was still quite young and really passionate and I could just, she looked tired. <laughs> and now I realize now why. And she was like, yeah, we've been trying to do this for 40 years. And here I am. So I'm like, I was like in my early twenties, like we should do this. Yes, we should do yeah. this. And she's like, yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah. Like, Where's that passion? And I was like, oh yeah, she's been, it's been trodden and smashed. And <laughs> I, I get her exhaustion. Do you know yes. what I mean? I'm like 15 years into this and I'm like, I feel your pain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I'm curious. Um, do you feel like taking the path you did had an influence on your younger sister to think? <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact that winning your engineer for Britain put her off engineering because so this is a lesser lesser known story so my sister is very talented but we are highly competitive we're really good friends but growing up there was like a three-year age difference and I knew I had to do really well at school because my sister would come along and she knew what she had to be so she would smash it so I had to have really high targets because then there was a chance that she might not beat them. Like we were say, we, we did competitive sports. We swam, we ran, like we, we were competitive. That's just how we were. Um, and she had entered the competition uh, the year before me, um, but she was younger. So she couldn't go on and do like the other awards and things. So the year I entered, she also entered and she won her age group, but it was only my age group and above that went on to the final. Mm. So then she had this amazing it was a cup that uh, was for blind people and it made a, a noise when you filled it up to a certain level and all that sort of thing really good project i think she was literally about 12 at the time do you know what i mean like she was she was young um won her age group that year i then went on to the final and won like the overall award and she was just like oh no i can't compete with this like i'm not even going to try and so she moved completely away from engineering and focused on other things and it was only she even what like went to a different sixth form than i did so that people weren't like oh you're rude sister aren't you you're rude sister <laughs> um and so she could just be her own person and not be compared to someone else which i get I, I, totally um so she had a careers talk with someone at this new school and that that school didn't know that i'd won this award and things and they were looking at all of her things and she's really creative like her artwork was amazing she's a great problem solver really academic and they were like you would just make a perfect engineer and she was like no <laughs> but she slowly came around to the fact that yes she would make an amazing like product designer um and so she was like oh okay uh, and she went on to university and she did that and she was amazing and I think yeah I, I always feel really bad that for a long time I put her off that but then that was just because we were very competitive growing up. As I think, like, you she know, likes a challenge you know, what I mean? yeah. like, you know she did a, a project the reason she ended up being a firefighter was she did a project around uh fire extinguishers did a load of fire training and was like this is super cool like I want to have a go at this um and he's even doing like her fire like engineering exams and things like that so she hasn't forgotten her engineering side of it but I think she just loves a challenge and she smashed her training she's you know she's just one of those people that's like if I want to do it I'm going to do it 110 percent and I'm going to be awesome and she literally like beat all the guys like <laughs> literally everything like she's she's very cool so yeah Awesome. Hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what 
and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code maker mom, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. Um, what is something like, since it seems like this is probably always you, what's, what's coming up new on your horizon that you're like, oh, can't wait for? <laughs> um, I'm taking a holiday. I know that's not what you've, you've asked. You don't want me to talk about that, but I am rubbish at taking time off. So it feels like a big achievement to have like a holiday planned and I'm planning on not working. I feel like we should celebrate those things more. Yes. Yes. Um, I, so I've, I've just finished, um, I did a podcast series where I interviewed a load of people who do really cool stuff. And that the last episode of that has just gone out for season one. So I'm kind of at that point where I'm like, I shouldn't commit to season two, but I'm also super excited about trying to work out <laughs> season two. <laughs> Take a breath. Um, but I have, I'm trying to work on some more content. So I started my own channel uh, back in the summer and I did a video about how I built the workshop and I have been working on other content for that channel slowly because albeit it's alongside Kids Invent stuff and all the other stuff that I do. So I'm hoping in the next few weeks, I will have my next video. Um, which I've kind of been saying for ages, but in true like root <laughs> style, I've totally overcomplicated the project. And then I'm like looking at the footage and I'm like, oh, I want to refilm this. I just need to get on with it. Um, so yeah, hopefully there'll be a new video. Um, and also I have another, a few other projects that I'm working on. So that's exciting because it's nice to have a space to kind of do my own stuff. It's, I love bringing to life kids ideas, but it's also nice to bring to life my own ideas that are just ridiculous too mm -hmm. um but yeah I think there's there's um it's weird this year it has just kind of vanished and I'm kind of sat there thinking like how is it September like it feels like it should still be January like what has happened yeah yeah I'm I'm with you there <laughs> so yeah but I, I keep saying I'd like to get to a point where my to-do list is a little shorter but it but it is it keeps growing but yes I'm I'm very excited to be taking some time off <laughs> that's excellent I agree I think those are things we should celebrate much more often um what is your podcast talk, talk oh. that up a bit oh <laughs> um it's called they made it and it's I mean it would be suitable for a younger audience there's no swearing or anything but it's made particularly for kind of secondary school age and older and I wanted to talk to different people who shape the world around us. So it might be femtech or video games or jewelry, like any, any kind of things that we interact with on a semi-daily basis um, and find out how, because again, I always thought it was like special people that made stuff, like how do you end up in that job? So I found people who have super cool jobs from video producers to electrical engineers to science communicators and be like how how do you do this um you know and also try to find people who are diverse in the sense of like neurodiversity so like how do you do this what have been your struggles if you've got adhd or dyslexia or how does this work and just have conversations and talk to them about the things that they did 
those decisions that went right and the things that went wrong so like talking about how what, what did they fail at and did that shape what they've ended up doing and and yeah just just kind of real conversations because I think so often we see people's journeys and in hindsight they look really well put together and actually they aren't <laughs> and so I wanted to kind of explore that and you know a lot of the people I mean all the people are killing it they're all at slightly different parts like moments of their career but like they they're still on kind of in the career they're not retired so that makes sense yeah, they're not yeah. at the end of their career they're still well into their career mm-hmm. and I just think it's really interesting to talk to people who are um just doing really interesting things yeah to be honest that's why I love doing this podcast is I always get jazzed up just learning about somebody else <laughs> and what they do um, I think it helps because you yeah. see the world from your point of view so often that it's nice just to hear someone else's opinion on things also feel like oh yeah things went wrong for that person too like everyone has things that went wrong great that makes you feel better exactly in, in other words uh everybody's life is just as much of a hot mess as my life is <laughs> therefore <laughs> exactly it doesn't mean you're a failure exactly and stuff yes <laughs> Um, one, I guess, kind of final topic, I guess I want to just chat with you about since you, since you brought him up, your kiddo, um, Mm. what's, how has, um, you know, becoming a mom kind of changed how you get stuff done? And yeah, um, I have been super lucky because, particularly like for kids invent stuff Sean has been very supportive and if I've made like like we'll be talking about a project and he'll be like well we should do this here and then that's easier for you for childcare or let's look at this or whatever like when you know he, he has been a really great ally in that and funnily people congratulate him because they think it's his kid and it's not that's hilarious too um <laughs> but it has changed and it has had you know obviously priorities have changed and I view the world slightly differently I don't know how some people do do it have kids and work because again society is not geared up for that in in lots of different roles so again I've really tried to think like why do I think that's not acceptable or why is that supposed to work like that um and also remember that I, I am a parent, but so is my husband and that we can share these these roles. And just because it's expected that maybe, you know, or, or maybe older friends and family say, oh, you're doing this. It's like, yes, I am. I'm leaving my kid for a week to work because I will focus way more on work better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has its challenges, but also um, I think it makes me work better. I have less time to work and I take time off better because if I'm chasing after him, I'm not constantly looking at my phone. So that Mm -hmm. does help. Um, But yeah, I have realized there are a lot of things that are unfair and not set up for working parents in general. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I'm keen to talk about because when I was pregnant, I couldn't see many makers who were, had children that weren't white men mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know and even with projects and, and my friends have really backed me up so we were talking about a project the other day and someone said oh I had thought of Ruth but I thought oh she, she's got her little boy my friend was like would you have thought about that 
if you were talking about another creator and referenced a white guy with kids and I was he was like oh yeah okay yeah yeah that's true and I think it's some of those things is just breaking those boundaries and you know things like uh I, I filmed the whole time when I was pregnant we never mentioned it but there's you know lots of clips of me very pregnant to the point where <laughs> parts of of some of the videos were filmed when I was in labor uh not ideal I wouldn't recommend it no <laughs> but then to see like um Emily Calandrelli Space Girl do like her show on Netflix when she was pregnant and things like I was like yes this is it we need to like more of us we need to be showing this so I think yeah it's it's made me work differently but probably more effectively I don't think I'm doing less because I have him I think mm-hmm. it's just different and I'm saying no to more things that were kind of rubbish projects that I should have said no to in the past that I would have said yes to right yeah <laughs> um but yeah I think it's it's again just another thing that is often seen and done in a certain way and it doesn't have to be done that way mm-hmm. so yeah yeah, I know for myself anyways, I feel like I'm so much more efficient at work since becoming a parent. Yes. <laughs> like, if you have 30 minutes, you make those 30 minutes count. Well, this is it. Yeah. And, and I look back and I ha- feel like I should apologize for all the rubbish I used to post when I was younger and child free. And I'd be like, oh, in the morning, I like to meditate and do this. And I'm like, in the morning, I like to make sure that everyone is dressed and get out of the door. So I apologize now for anyone that followed me before I had kids and you had kids and you were like, what on earth is this rubbish? Because I feel your pain. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think it's definitely, I mean, it's great. And he loves the workshop. He loves making things. He does now have this thing where he'll come in with something with a catalog and be like, mommy make. And I'm like, That's, so yeah. yeah, we are definitely creating a problem here because yes. he's going to be expecting me to build all sorts of things, which is wonderful. But the other day he came in with like a, like a machine mark catalog and a planer and was like, mummy make. And I was like, um, no, I think we'll be making a planer, but no. thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's, that tends to be, um, maybe a little bit less now My mine are, uh, eight and five and a half but so a little bit less with my oldest of like it's it's toned down now as far as like the expectations of what I will make what I will not make for them um but then on the other hand it's like my youngest which is really fun my oldest has absolutely no desire and no interest in what I do out in the workshop you know he just complains how much of a mess I make and (laughs) I need to be neater and tidier with my workspace is what what his complaints are (laughs) but but my daughter my youngest um you know we have many conversations where it's like well can I be more than one thing and it's like of course you can so currently the goal is to be a woodworking pop star and I will take that yes (laughs) I like it that's cool Exactly. Um, and so she's much more willing to come out and help in the workshop and, you know, and talk through like the million things she thinks I need to build for them. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Like, you know, he has his own set of pretend tools, but he likes to use tools. He'll pick things up. He, he knows like the right words for things. Um, he's wicked at Lego. I mean, I know I'm biased. I'm his parent, yeah. <laughs> but he's like two and a half and he like sit and make things. And I'm like, that looks like the actual thing. Like, wow. Um <laughs> So I do think he might be in here at some point and I don't want him to put him off, but I also don't want him to feel the pressure. Like I think yeah. sometimes people feel that pressure of like, well, you should like this thing because that's what your parent does. 
Yeah, um, and you're exactly. put off by that. My my dad was a car mechanic, and then we trained to be a computer programmer. And there are things now that I got to do as a kid that I would love to do as an adult, but at the time I didn't appreciate them for what they were because I just right. thought it was my dad doing this boring thing. Um, right, right, exactly. So <laughs> I didn't want it to be that for him. Yeah, exactly. All right, Ruth. Well, we're uh, towards the end of our time together, so I want to make sure I give you a chance to let everybody know all the places they can find you and follow along with you. <laughs> well, I'm pretty much at Ruth Amos and all like social media and then the same for Kids Invent Stuff. So if you search at Kids Invent Stuff, then that'll be like Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. And obviously on YouTube. So Kids Invent Stuff. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much most of my, most of my stuff is in the same place. It's all good. Um, okay. But yeah, come come along with for the mad journey and laugh at Sean and I doing ridiculous things and come see the workshop. Yes. <laughs> I do try and go live in the workshop when I can. And yeah, it's nice. It's a nice community. I think particularly over the last year, um, I've made some amazing friends on social media and it's so nice to have like such a great community. Yep, it, it certainly is. Well, thanks for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay, Pod Squad. Well, that again was Ruth, and I will include the links on how you can follow along with her and all the amazing projects she has going, like Kids Invent stuff. I tell you what, I shared the links of that with my kids' schools, school, hoping that uh, they will get to participate in some of it as well, because I think it's just fantastic. So I'll include the links to all of that in the description for today's episode, which you can find on whatever podcast app you are using, like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, just check the description box down below. If you like today's episode, please make sure to subscribe, like, review, comment, especially on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I would greatly appreciate that. Um, I have a goal currently trying to reach 10,000 downloads in a month. Right now, Usually I sit between 2,000 and 2,500 downloads per month, which is amazing considering where the podcast started about three years ago. I, though, want to try to take this to the next level and start getting these stories heard by a much wider audience. And so I need your help, Pod Squad. I need your help, and it's super easy. doesn't cost you anything, I promise. I need you to just share about the podcast, share about it on social media, share about it in conversation with your friends, uh, tell the neighbor, whoever uh, would love for you to share about the podcast and get more listeners on board so everyone can learn about these amazing female and non-binary makers. I please and thank you. When I am not making a podcast, you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor at Freeman Furnishings. Uh, dot com and also at Freeman Furnishings across most of the social media platforms. I'm active pretty much daily on Instagram though, so go check me out over there at Freeman Furnishings. Say hey, say you listen to the podcast. I love to hear that. It is Wednesday, halfway through the week. I hope you're having a fantastic week so far. And as always, let's go craft a revolution. Solution for the toxic masculinity. Pollution is the constant evolution of a broken.